Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been reflecting a lot lately about what does it look like to make disciples among people who have no background at all in faith, you know, no religious orientation. You know, I've been dealing with a number of men, especially in our jail system, doing one-on-one visits through the glass, you know, with a little phone in the attorney booths or or one-on-ones at a, at a table with someone. And um, I've been reflecting with people about prayer. And um, I've been struck by how uh, consistently these guys aren't able to envision praying for any of their own needs. When I talk to them about prayer and about two or three uh, meeting and agreeing in um, about anything in the name of Jesus, that uh, you know, Jesus says, "I will, um, you know, whatever you ask, I will, um, you know, I will, I will give you." You know, if, if two or three are asking in in His name, and just that idea of actually asking Jesus for something or asking God the Father for something is so foreign to people. Um, at least these guys that I'm working with, they, you know, first of all, just the fact that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit are invisible. And we're praying to this invisible uh, force is is really hard for people. And consistently, these are people who have not been able to really trust that anyone's going to be there for them. They're often people who've been really neglected, you know, minimally parented, um, raised by parents who were addicts or single moms, you know, who had their hands full with lots of other kids. Um, Recently, I've been working with firstborn uh, guys who had a huge role of of just being parentified children, you know, like uh, needed by their mother to help sort of play father, be there for, uh, you know, for the younger kids. And, And so these are people that are oriented towards themselves providing, doing, helping, um, you know, their rescue type people, you know, rescuer oriented and, you know, and prone to be very codependent as well. And of course I can relate to this. I'm a firstborn and I have characteristics like that as well. And so anyway, I've just been leaning into these uh, conversations with people. And, you know, so first of all, just the idea of praying and expecting someone who's invisible to answer. Um, that's a challenge, but then also expecting anyone to be there for them when they've had to just do it themselves, you know, take care of matters, um, however they could. And then on top of that, um, you know, just, uh, feeling like, okay, now I'm in trouble. Um, I'm a hypocrite. If I ask God for help now that I'm in trouble, I should have, uh, you know, proved myself when I was out and, um, out of the jail, out of the prison system, not in a crisis, and done the religious things, you know, gone to church, um, stayed with, you know, one partner, not uh, been active drug user or drug dealer, or involved in a life of crime, you know. Um, you know, there's there's uh, so many things that people feel have disqualified them. And so they figure, well, I'm not going to um, even bother trying to approach God, expecting any kind of help until I've done whatever they think is required to be in right standing, you know, in compliance with sort of a judge-like probation officer type God, who they expect God to be because they associate God with 
power and with control and with, you know, law abiding um, lifestyle and things like that. So anyway, these are big obstacles. So recently I've been talking with them about, you know, just praying and how when two or three gather in the name of Jesus and they ask that whatever you ask will be given. You know, I talked about this in last week's podcast. And anyway, with one individual that, um, that I've been talking to last week, I was able to, you know, to um, actually invite him to envision some things that he would like God to do if God existed. And um, consistently, the only things he could think of were um, that God would help other people, um, not himself. And so last week um, when I said, okay, well, who comes to mind that you'd like prayer for? And you and I can agree on it and then we'll see what happens. So he said, well, the the, the mother of my, ba- of my baby girl, I'd like to really pray for her. She's out on the street. She's uh, using, uh, I'd like to pray, um, ask Jesus uh, if he could, you know, just protect her and get her off the streets. And I said, okay, go for it. Just speak it out. So he said, okay, um, Jesus, uh, would you, you know, protect? And he mentioned her name and uh, just help her to get off the streets. And uh, and then I said, okay, I agree, Jesus, let, let, let that happen. We just thank you. Here we are, two of us asking your name. Okay, so then um, the other person he was worried about was this uh, young guy. I mean, this man I'm talking to is in his mid to late 30s and a young 18-year-old fellow gang member um, is in for a drive-by and second-degree murder. 18-year-old, um, that guy had been thrown in the hole in solitary confinement and and you know my friend was really worried about him and said let's pray for him and he mentioned him by name and that god would help him um you know first of all my um this guy i'm talking to said that he felt like what he wanted to do was take a charge uh, in other words commit some kind of a crime like get in a fight in the jail so that he would be thrown in the hole so that he could take care of this young man. And, um, but I said, well, that wouldn't that kind of wreck your good time and you're wanting to get out sooner and you're already looking at quite a few years. And he says, yeah, 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 I probably shouldn't do that. But, but I just am really worried about his mental health, about him just being locked up, um, you know, that amount of time, just without anybody, just in, in solitary confinement. And I wanted to go and just help him. Anyway, that really, really struck me. And, um, so then this week I went and visited him again and, uh, oh yeah, the third thing that I was able to get him to ask for, for himself, uh, which was a real challenge, but, um, was for God to, Jesus to show him that he's real and, um, help him to actually see signs, um, that, that Jesus is alive and, and that, you know, God answers him and is there for him. Okay. Those were the three things. So went in Islam a couple days ago and um, we were talking about, um, you know, just about how uh, he'd found out that in fact his wife was, uh, ex-partner was, uh, you know, was off the streets and was actually living with her mom. And so I, I reminded him that we prayed for that specifically. And he was like, oh yeah, wow, that's right. We did, didn't we? I did. Did I? He said, I said, yeah, you prayed for that you asked Jesus and I agreed. And then I was able to tell him, um, Hey, you know, um, 
the guy in solitary confinement, he's, uh, have you heard anything about him? And, and he said, no, no, I haven't. I said, well, last week when you brought him up, I actually felt like I needed to, to do something. Uh, it's like I felt like I was, I needed to be your agent. And so I went and put money on that guy's books. And um, on top of that, I tried to visit him, but he didn't want to visit, probably because he didn't know me. Um, but uh, but guess what? You know, he's 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 out of solitary confinement. He's in the normal population. He's in, in back in the pod where he was before. And the guy says, no way, you're kidding. I said, yeah, well, um, wasn't that one of the things you prayed for? And he said, did I? And I said, yeah, you prayed and I agreed with you. And so he was like, wow. So then I said, um, so I don't know, what was the other thing we prayed for? And he didn't remember. And I said, well, I think you prayed that God would show you that he's real. So um, what do you think? Is there is there any evidence there? He was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to make too much of over something that could just be, you know, just could be a coincidence. But, but, but you know, I, and at that point, I just suddenly got some inspiration. I, I just looked at him and I thought, you know, um, wow, this guy, in a lot of ways, his, um, his heart is, um, in alignment with the way God is. I mean, he is embodying God just by his desires for, you know, for his ex-partner to be, to be safe and for this young 18 year old guy to not, um, you know, not flip out about just being in solitary confinement. Like this guy's got a pastor's heart. And, uh, and so I, I just began to share how I saw him. And I, I looked at him and said, you know, it's crazy. You know, a lot of times, um, when I just, you know, when I think about you, I just think, man, you, um, you embody God. In fact, scripture talks about that. Like in the beginning of the Bible, it says that God made us in God's image. And so, um, you know, like if you say you have a child, but, or you're the son of, of, of someone, but you've never met your dad, um, you could say, well, I don't have a biological dad, right? But, you know, but maybe um, your mom would be able to notice that you look like that, that guy that she got pregnant with. And if you ran into your dad, maybe you'd be able to see, wow, um, I resemble this man who is my biological dad. I mean, you just because you don't, you've never met your dad, it doesn't mean that you, you know, that you don't have a biological dad. You obviously do. And what if it's the same way with God? You know, you, you know, if we're made in the image of God, then there's things about us that actually look like God. And, um, you know, whether we believe in God or not, we, um, it, it doesn't mean that, that we're not uh, a son or a daughter of the, our Father in Heaven, our Heavenly Father. So, what might be some of the characteristics that would show that we're that a son of that father? And I said, well, one thing I notice about you is um, is that you, you know, you really are like a shepherd, and that's how God is described in Psalm twenty-seven. I said, have you ever heard of Psalm twenty-seven? Have you ever read about you know the Lord is my shepherd? He looked up with big wide eyes and said, what Psalm Psalm? What's what's that? And I what's a psalm? And I showed him my Bible through the glass and pointed to where it said psalm. And then 23, I said, psalm is like a song. It was like, imagine it was just like a hip hop, you know, uh, song. And these are the lyrics. Okay. 
So um, that's what Psalms are. They're like songs. And, and I said, so check this out. Look what this says. Um, and I started to read it to him. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So, so God is like a shepherd. Um, and if you're made in, in the image of God, then your uh, behavior that's very shepherd-like um, really is um, a reflection of your father who is a shepherd. And so think about this, you know, you, you want to make sure that your homie there and in the hole is, is, is going to be safe. He's, he's, you want it to be a green pasture for him and quiet waters. You know, you want his soul to be restored. You're all wanting, you want to minister to him. Really. You're like, there's a pasture sort of a side of the way you're operating. I mean, I would, I would say, man, you're, you're like a pastor. And he looked at me like really surprised, but he kind of resonated with it. And and then I, I said, like, why would you care about that guy so much? Is he someone you've known? And he goes, no, I, I've never met the guy. And I was like, wow, you're willing to, like, um, get in a fight so that you'd be thrown in the hole and you'd lose good time to go and to take care of this young 18-year-old guy who's in for murder who you've never met? And he goes, well, yeah. Like, he looks surprised that I, I would even question him wanting to do that. But I was just so struck by this this guy's willingness to sacrifice. I mean, he's done a lot of prison time and he's wanting to get out. He really wants to be there for his kids. And um, and so, but yet he wants to help this guy. So I said, so why do you think it is that you um, have such a heart for this guy in solitary confinement? He goes, well, he said, I've spent two years of my life in the hole. You know, I was in solitary confinement when I was detained by ICE. You know, ICE is um, immigration, and uh, <clears throat> there's a, you know, a prison down in Tacoma, that, which is, uh, you know, it's it's a private prison that contracts with immigration services. And this guy said, "Yeah, I, I was I was locked up there. Um, where they were trying to deport me for some previous charges and crimes that I committed. And so for two years they had me locked up in the hole there. And I know how hard that is. And I'm, an, I'm a veteran person. I, I'm experienced in the prison systems. And I just was just flipping out, man, thinking how hard it would be for someone who's, it's their first time, like this young homie, this young guy. And so I was like, well, look at that. See, man, you've got compassion at heart. Like you are full on, um, like a shepherd, you know, like the, the way that God is described in Psalm 23. I said, let's read the rest of it. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Okay, so this is God who's the good shepherd who's talking about being with us. But but basically you're, um, you're, you're, you know, you embody that same, um, that same shepherd, you know, pasture way of being. Your rod and your staff. Um, they comfort me. So I explained to him how the rod was like um, a stick that was used to fight off predators. And and I said, have you ever defended anybody that was getting beat up who you felt like needed needed some protection, you know, a younger guy like, or just someone in your gang or just anybody? You know, he goes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Lots of times. I mean, 
in effect, his, you know, his concern about his, his partner's ex-wife's, you know, safety and everything was very, you know, very shepherd-like, you know, protective. The staff was, um, you know, used to, you know, the rods and staffs, shepherds would, you know, that, that, the crook that is, uh, you know, the hook that is a, a staff that can just pull a little lamb oh, that's wandering off back into alignment with all the other sheep. You know, that that picture of, of the shepherd's staff came to mind too, and I talked to him about that. And of course, that's exactly what the way he's seeing this young homie who's in the hole. You prepare a table before me in the presence of all my enemies, of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. I said, hey, you know, this this is this is something that you want to do for people, but God wants to do this for you. And he was like, that that's where it was really hard for him. He couldn't even go there to thinking about himself because um, he's so wired to just uh, externally to, to want to help everybody else. And then I ended the Psalm 23 by just saying, uh, check this out. It says, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Imagine that if goodness and loving kindness were, you know, were on your, on your tail. They were, you know, if you got pulled over by goodness and loving kindness, you know, instead of the cops, like, what would that be like if, if you were just being followed, you know, by goodness and loving kindness rather than always by law enforcement that's, you know, because you have an active warrant. What if God has an active warrant for you and he's going to, he's following you and he's going to pull you over. Or if you just stop, he's going to catch up with you. You know, um, maybe, maybe, um, this is a way to think about it. And, and how about just trying to be on the lookout for that? And so he kind of liked that idea. And, um, so we, we ended that Psalm. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I said, so maybe your house here, you know, your cell can be like the house of the Lord, you know? Um, but of course you don't want to be stuck here forever. But, um, anyway, from there, I just felt inspired to talk with him about, you know, um, two other texts, you know, uh, that I've talked about on this podcast before that I'm just going to allude to briefly. One of them is Ezekiel 34, which is just uh, one of the core texts of my calling, you know, and I, I said, look at this. Um, there's a lot of people that aren't like you. You know, I, I said, you know, there's a lot of people that are actually pastors and priests and, you know, and um, people that call themselves followers of Jesus who um, right here are getting are getting put on blast by the prophet Ezekiel, you know, who's who's who talks about, um, you know, how there's uh, there's a lot of uh, of the flock that are, have become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd, you know, because they're just fattening themselves up and eating all the all the the you know the um, the green grass that should be for the skinny sheep. You know, and they're just fattening themselves up. And um, check this out, I said, you know, um, it says, My shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. And and then we just read a little bit about this, about how um, God really got down on them for that. And uh, because the true shepherd is, um, is described in verse 11, where God says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. So I said to this guy, so that's you. See, you're, um, it's like you, you're made in the image of this God who, and it's obvious because this is what you want to do. You want to go 
and take care of the people out there that are um, that are stuck and you know and so maybe this is one of the ways that you can begin to discern uh, the voice of God inside of you and the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you is that is that as you um, get to know who who Jesus you know is and who God is as a shepherd that's going to help you see how you're made in, in the image of that one and how the way that you've been wired to help, not that you're always just helping. He'd pointed that out to me too. He says, I'm not always just like that, um, you know, out for everyone's good. But um, a lot of times I am, he said, thinking about all these people around me and worrying about them and worrying about my kids, worrying about people that um, that I know. Um, but, I, uh, but I said, like, maybe this can give you like, almost like... Um, some clues to noticing how uh, the spirit is propelling you and, and out there into the world. Um, anyway, so we read how God says, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them. Okay, and then it says uh, later, uh, verse 5, I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. And um, so I said, look at that. So those are actions that really um, that kind of uh, describe you. Um, in a lot of ways, like just, you know, the way as we talk about what you like to see God do, you're, you're just thinking about everybody else and not even yourself. You're just wanting to be uh, the guy that's out there. You're, you're wired to just want to take care of people because you're, you're worried about different people that you love. And he's like, yeah, that's true. That's, that's really true. He said, so, um, that led me to talk about you know, um, John chapter 10, where Jesus is talked about as being the good shepherd. And, um, you know, such a powerful text about how, you know, the good shepherd um, lays down his life for his sheep. You know, verse 11, uh, John 10. Um, the one who's a hired hand and not a shepherd, who's not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Um, but not the good shepherd, right? Um, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Um, anyway, this this picture of Jesus being that good shepherd who, you know, who in um, Matthew chapter 9, that was another text that we looked at how, you know, how after Jesus was out taking care of the crowds and, you know, the sick and everybody, you know, Jesus uh, says, right, the verse at the end of... Um, 9 and verse 33, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and, dis and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, are few. Therefore, beg the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And then I, we read in chapter 10, um, how Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And this guy was wide-eyed and excited and said, whoa, dude, this is really cool. Uh, I really love this. And and so, um, and it's interesting because I had kind of similar conversations with 
a couple of other guys um, along these lines, not using the same text. But this was giving me, um, I feel like I was getting some really clear, um, I guess, direction about how to how to pastorally accompaniment, accompany people and, and actually raise them up as disciples, you know, by helping them um, see that already inside of themselves, they, um, they're moving, uh, they're being moved by the Spirit. And this led me to um, look at another text, which is, uh, you know, today's or Sunday's lectionary text, which is the beginning of John's Gospel, where we have John the Baptist. And um, John the Baptist um, is described in John chapter 1, verse 6. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. So I was just thinking, um, just that verse by itself, there came a man sent from God, whose name was John. And I think about this guy, or um, others who um, who are just wanting to go out there and, and, and make a difference to, you know, to protect someone, to help someone, to defend someone. Maybe they don't really know at all that they're being sent by God. Um, and, and so how do we, you know, help them see that actually their, um, their, the impetus for their action may be, uh, it could be that they've been, they've been faithfully um, letting themselves be sent by God because, uh, but they haven't known um, really that it was God that was, that was calling them and, or sending them. But, um, but anyway, so this, this notion resonated with people and kind of excited them and made them realize that, that maybe, you know, for a, they've been in alignment with the movement of God and the kingdom of God um, for longer than they thought or, or, you know, that God has been active in their life. And um, so, um, but then the, the issue then becomes um, like, I guess, from here, I feel like my objective would be to, you know, to help them grow in um, in confidence that actually, uh, when they pray in alignment with uh, the movement of God in their life, in terms of like their heart of compassion for other people and their caring um, for people and wanting to protect them and wanting people to be saved, secure, rescued, um, found. Um, you know, uh, helped into recovery, you know, into housing, um, you know, um, their kids being safe and okay, all of that kind of thing, when they can begin to see that actually, uh, when they're in a place of stuckness in the jail where they can't really do anything for anybody, you know, that's where their whole orientation is kind of blocked. Although it isn't because there's stuff they can do inside the jail you know, which is what they're doing. Like, like this particular guy said, Hey, um, you know, in the beginning, everyone was down on me for visiting with you because they, um, he said that a lot of them saw me as overly allied with the enemy gang. Cause a lot of our people are from, uh, you know, from Sureño, uh, backgrounds, but I've always worked with both groups, but anyway, he says, but now they're seeing changes in me and I'm seeing that this is good for me. And people are wanting to know whether, um, you know, whether you can visit them too. So there's a bunch of guys back there that want to be visited. And, um, you know, but then he forgot to give me their names. But anyway, maybe next week or this week when I visit him tomorrow. But anyway, I thought, wow, so he's already, um, you know, kind of recruiting. And he's, um, 
you know, there's there's movement through this guy uh, that looks like the movement of a disciple, uh, of you know, of, of gathering other people, and uh, and actually, what's been super cool is the last uh, couple of weeks, I, I'm running into people who um, who I've met and I've known over years. A guy named Spider, um, you know, I saw him before he went off to do his last uh, bit of time in the prison, and he'd been gathering and um, and they'd been using John 13 and been washing uh, people's feet feet and he says you know he said i got thinking you know um it's their soul that needs to be washed like the sole of their feet it's uh and that's what we're doing is we're washing their souls and uh that was a connection that he was making and i was like wow that is crazy and so we've been reading john 13 and um and just talking about that and i thought you know uh, exactly in fact the fact that people can receive from each other um you know, that kind of tenderness and, and letting them, their feet be washed, um, that this is actually what a lot of these guys need is they need to learn how to receive for themselves. And this guy, Spider, was, was busy, um, you know, um, really, really giving lavish uh, tenderness and care to people by uh, washing his feet. And I met enough, another guy uh, named Jeff who's looking into 15 years, uh, 15 years of time, but maybe he'll, you know, he'll beat his charges. But anyway, he's, he's wanting to be trained and he's wanting to read my, um, go through my guerrilla Bible studies. And, um, he's been, um, so he's got a whole group back there that he's kind of coaching. And this is a guy I've known for 20, 25 years. You know, I, all these guys, I've, a lot of them I've known, uh, or at least these two other guys that I saw, uh, Spider and the other guy were people I'd known since I came here pretty much uh, 28 years ago, almost. And, um, but now I'm seeing that there's this uh, movement of them wanting to be trained as pastors. And this last week, we actually started, uh, two weeks ago, we started a a Spanish speaking pastor training group with what we've got, like um, a former gang member and some other people, some uh, immigrant workers. And, and we're meeting and there's, there's just feel like we're in a season of just uh raising up people who um, have this desire to go out on a cloudy and gloomy day and to seek the lost and to, you know, and to, you know, to kind of be uh, um, in a way they're like rescuer oriented people who, um, who, who now, um, you know, want to be doing it um, in the name of Jesus. So, um, so anyway, um, so the next step then is helping them be able to recognize, okay, I um, I can see that actually the prayers that I asked, that I made last week, God has come through for me. Uh, he's answered my prayers. He's helped the people that I that I can't help because I'm stuck in here in the jail. And, um, and so then I've been encouraging them to really consider praying also for themselves because when they begin to see that, not only are their prayers for other people being answered, but prayers for themselves are being answered, then they're going to have something to share that's good news. And um, so a text that I've been looking at with people is Psalm 62, 5 to 8, where it says, My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is in Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. Like when you're stuck in a jail cell, um, it's it's easier for it to just be, you know, um, God God is the only one that can be your hope and your salvation because you 
your, your wings are clipped. What can you do? Of course, there are things people can do. They can get on the phone. They can get people to go out and do this or that. And, and that's what people do. They, they get other people to do um, the helping and the rescuing that they can't do oftentimes. But, um, but there's, there's, they're really limited in terms of what they can do. And so this text is, um, is something that, that I'm inviting them to consider. Uh, waiting in silence for God only. Um, you know, like really coming and bringing their needs and their anxieties and their fears and laying them before God, um, rather than just being the ones that are always mobilized and making stuff happen. Um, and I, I can identify with that very um, way of operating where I pray, but but I don't wait for an answer. I I try to make make things happen. I I try to become the answer to my own prayers in a way because I. I think, okay, well, like, why should I wait around? There's this or that and the other thing I can do. And I tend to to just be way too quick and almost get ahead of even anything that God could do. And um, and that's that's the danger of, of being, I guess, a firstborn, a rescuer, um, you know, a people pleaser, a certain kind of people pleaser, um, or even just doing things out of our own anxiety. We get anxious, and so we want to deal with the anxiety and the way we deal with it is through activism. So this text is super challenging to me too. Uh, my stronghold, uh, the psalmist says of God, I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So, when we begin to experience God being a refuge for us and God doing things that we can't do and um, helping and saving and rescuing people we love and we care about um, in our absence and inability to do that, then that brings us to um, the next verse of John the Baptist's mission. And I really see John the Baptist as a prototype, um, like witness and agent of the kingdom. In fact, he's the first one. Um, who is there and he's got this difficult, difficult job because, you know, he's sent from God. Um, he came as a witness um, to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. So in order to be a witness, you have to have witnessed something, right? And so if I'm not seeing that God is active in my life and that the light is shining in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it, you know, that... Uh, that the word is speaking and is creating um, and is um, life and and uh, and the light of all people and and that it's shining. Uh, if if I can't myself attest to that because I'm because I'm uh, maybe not looking for it or just blind to it, then it's going to be hard. I can't really be a witness. But if I can learn to uh, to acknowledge the movement of of the light, the life, the word, the logos in my life, then I'm going to have something to share. And uh, so he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through um, him, her, us as witnesses. And this is what we're trying to do really when we're trying to raise up disciples, is raising up people that are that are direct witnesses to the action, the answers that God brings when we when we come to God and we pray. And, uh, and and we 
experience uh, our cup overflowing and, you know, uh, the Lord being our shepherd and restoring our souls. And, you know, we ourselves need to be um, experiencing being, you know, the sheep that are cared for by our shepherd, Jesus, um, you know, being children of the Father who are experiencing uh, this, the Father's love, um, you know, and the security that comes through being a child of God and being guided by the Holy Spirit in our active uh, participation as, um, you know, as fellow shepherds that are made in the image of the Good Shepherd. So, um, so this job that John had was hard because in verse 9, the true light um, that comes into the world to enlighten everyone, um, when that one was in the world, and even though the world was made through him, the world didn't, um, didn't know him, didn't recognize him, right? And so um, if we're going to bear witness of, of, to a light uh, that um, when, he, when this one came, the word of God came and people didn't, the world didn't recognize him, then that shows that, um, you know, that it may not be so, so easy for us to bear witness um, to that one either. But, but that's our task is, is to, to try to bear witness before people that, um, who don't recognize like kind of what I'm doing with this guy, with these men. Um, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. Okay, so um, so we're bearing witness among people that don't recognize and that don't receive. And um, But if we ourselves are recognizing and receiving, um, which we'd have to be doing in order to be called a witness, and if we were experiencing being sent um, to different people as a witness, then um, we can step into inviting people to themselves um, receive him. Um, you know, this, this Jesus who is the word, who is the life, the light. Um, and, um, but we ourselves must be kind of uh, vanguards of that ourselves. We, we need to be embodying that and experiencing that so that we can be f direct firsthand witnesses of, um, of that, of, of receiving him and believing in his name, uh, and who are then given the authority to become children of God, as we ourselves uh, believe, as you know, we as disciples become sons and daughters, um, then um, we, be, we, we be, our authority begins to be evidenced to other people. And, um, and our new birth, that is not by the blood, not by... Um, the will of the flesh, not by the will of men and women, but of God, that new birth will be, um, you know, will be, you know, hopefully lead other people to be able to believe, um, but not in us, but in the ones who sent us. So that's how John's message, um, his role ends in verse eight. He himself was not the light, like we are not the light ourselves, but he came to testify about the light and, um, so for us to be able to testify about the light, we ourselves need to be, um, you know, witnessing, experiencing uh, on a regular basis, um, you know, the active movement of God in our lives. So as we move towards, you know, remembering the birth of Jesus, let's try this week and in the following weeks, you know, to um, ourselves um, wait in silence for God only and also to take note of being um, of the movement of the Spirit to send us to be uh, people that 
um, that bear witness um, about the light. So God bless you.